This is the Common Sense Podcast presented by Tamar. I'm your host, Tamar Weinberg, founder and CEO of Tamar, and I will be talking to people of all walks of life who have suffered adversity and overcome to rise above the ashes and now make self-care and wellness an absolute priority. If you enjoy this podcast, I would be grateful if you would leave a review at ratethispodcast.com slash Tamar, T-A-M-A-R. Thank you so much. And now we begin. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited. I met Dan Prasad in, on LinkedIn, of all places. And I think we did, right? Yeah, that's right. LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. And he's actually... We are doing this at weird hours for me and normal hours for him, but I would consider it weird hours for me too. At 6.20 in the morning, Australian time. So kudos yes. to you for showing up and doing this. And <laughs> you're in your car on the side of the road podcasting. So that's yeah. that's really some serious, serious discipline, I will say. Uh, dedicated to the cause. When there's something cool to talk about, sometimes you just got to stop what you're doing and have a chat about it. Yeah, so let's talk about that because so I will say that Dan and I met, like I said, on LinkedIn under the fact that we both are fragrance aficionados. It is not my standard podcast type of rise above adversity, but this is the common sense podcast and sense being sent the actual smell scent, S-E-E-N-T. Everybody's like, what does that mean? And I have to explain that every so often there happen to be times that I have conversations with Bergen's people. So Dan is here and Dan is going to share that. So I guess I'll have you introduce yourself. First of all, I know I mentioned that you're in Australia. Talk a little bit about where you are physically. What does it look like? What it looks like outside for you, maybe even. Okay. I'm in a state called Queensland, which is on the north uh, eastern uh, side of Australia on the coastline. And well, Brisbane's not exactly on the beach. It's like you know, an hour from the beach, but um, yeah, southeast Queensland. Queensland is a, is a massive state. You can fly for like two and a half, three hours and still be in the same state here. That's how big Queensland is. It's a beautiful little crisp morning. I mean, for us, crisp is like 10 degrees Celsius. That's like you guys would be like walking around in your t-shirts in New York, probably when it's 10 degrees Celsius. Now I have to so. Google that. What is that? <laughs> 10 degrees Celsius is how many degrees Fahrenheit? I'm not sure. I'm not good at those conversions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm going to do it right now. There, there's like some cool way that I read on Reddit a few weeks ago, but I, it didn't sit with me, so I don't remember it. So I am going to see 2F. It is 50 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's actually about what it is right now. 53. Oh, okay. It's about 53 right now. It's pouring rain. It's been a fun day. Yeah, it's been raining here a little bit as well. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So this time of the year, it's a similar kind of thing going on. So it's good. Yeah, interesting. Mm. What season is it there? I don't even know. We're in the last season of autumn, which you guys call fall. Right. And, uh, so, yeah, uh, winter starts next month. That's crazy. So how cold does it get for you in winter? Oh, nothing. In the night, the coldest it'll get is maybe three or four degrees in this part of Australia. Other parts of Australia gets really, really uh, much uh, colder in the evenings. Three to four degrees Celsius, and in the, in the daytime, the coldest it's going to be is like maybe 16, 17 degrees Celsius. That's about as cold as it gets. Oh, wow. We've gotten zero degrees. Global yeah. warming affects things. I don't think we've had that for a while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I grew up in Florida. Now I have to do more conversions. It's hot. 10 yeah. degrees Celsius is probably the coldest it gets. And you're wearing okay. sweatpants and all this crazy stuff, and that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. It's interesting. People in their in their environments and then go into another environment. Initially, it's super hard to adjust and then the body regulates itself and there you go. Yeah, it's funny because now I go back to Florida and I get sick because oh, yeah. it's not my natural habitat anymore. I was born in New York. So going from New York oh. to Florida, living in Florida for 17 years and then going back to New York and then traveling to Florida, it's like a jolt to my physical, whatever, my nervous system. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. a jolt to something because yeah, yeah, yeah. I always get sick. Mm, interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah. So, fragrance, eh? We better talk going to be a little weather podcast. We could. I'm getting there. We talked about how we knew each other and how we met in the context of fragrance. Explain, I guess, your background on that. I've been in the, uh, the home fragrance industry for like, I started in the late 1990s in wholesale, retail, because I had my own retail store and I also worked for importers um, in home fragrance. When I say home fragrance, I talk about incense mainly, and then we had candles, oil burn, uh, fragrant oils melts all that sort of thing basically just people love for it it's, it's such a huge industry that it sort of goes a little bit overlooked sometimes but it's a multi-billion dollar industry the home fragrance industry and people just want their environments to smell nice you know so yeah. and obviously with the last few years of what's happening in the world there's so many people at time at home locked down all sorts of things this industry is actually one that's been thriving yeah it's really amazing mm. and it's funny because you say that and I'm looking at the five candles that I have, which I never light at the same time because they're all different. But I'm looking, yeah. I'm staring at my five candles, which I basically unboxed within the last six weeks. Okay. I have four children, and I've been a little nervous to light candles around them. Yeah. Uh, and in a way, I've been also sort of traumatized by the college fires that have happened, that have been spurred since oh. people burning incense. So I've been particularly cognizant of that and I've kind of avoided it, even though I love that. And I prefer that the candles and the incense to the aromatherapy, what everybody says, aromatherapy, for example, is the big thing. And when we first talked and you were telling me about home fragrance, I'm like, I like to believe that you have it on your person versus have it in your bedroom. I think about it in the aromatherapy context and it's my misspeaking. There are candles and there's the essential oils that are kind of there and you don't even know that they're there and you might smell something. It's not powerful anyway. And then there's the yeah. incense and the candle and you're like, holy crap, that actually smells amazing. So Yeah. So many varying degrees of A, quality and B, presentation, all sorts of things that all come along with it. And it's interesting what you say about it. You feel it stronger like wearing it on your person, like a fine fragrance of a perfume. And, but especially with the whole incense history and culture, when people burn incense, either in traditional form of granules or resins or, or in a, now the, the stick form, the, the incense cone form, whatever, that fragrant smoke is something that becomes on your person because a lot of people in some cultures, the women, when they're doing their hair, they let the fragrant smoke go all through their hair and they, they end up wearing the actual fragrance themselves. So when they yeah. go out and about can smell that on them. But do they remember that it's there? So my philosophy is very different than the way people see it. And it's really, it's also very hard to sell this philosophy because people don't think about it. The idea is yeah. you put on perfume in the morning, you put on cologne in the morning, whatever it is, you put it on and then you forget that it's there. People might smell you throughout the day like the incense being in your hair. But what do you get out of it after the fact? It's like you're doing it for other people. But my philosophy is that you put it on in the morning, you actually have an intention, you revisit that intention throughout the day by sniffing your wrists if you sniff your wrist every two seconds, you're going to get anosmic. You're not going to be able to smell. Anosmic, for those who are listening, is losing that sense of smell. You'll become numb to it for a while. But then you can come back to it in a few 10, 15 minutes, and it's back 
there again. So if you do that enough times, not too much, but enough times that with that aligned intention, because of sense and memory being so well intertwined, that could uh-huh. potentially change your life. You could do that. And the thing is, you don't have to limit yourself to perfume. I like the idea of carrying it with you throughout the day, but let's say in the morning, you can't leave your candle unattended. So I, I don't know if it's the candle's the right thing, but when you put on some sort of, I don't know, wax melt or something and you put it on in the morning and you do the same thing and then you come home from work and you feel the same way, it's just a matter of revisiting the scent with the right vibes, really, at the end of the day. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, it's hard though. It's really hard because people don't see the perfume. I've been mentioning this to people. I've never thought of putting perfume and mental health together. <laughs> well, I mean, wow, there's there's the aromatherapy yeah, industry. It's, it's huge. It is. It makes it totally makes sense. Like exactly like what you're saying. From the retail side of things, when I was selling it direct to customers in in my shop, I could see just how much people love certain fragrances or whatever it might have been, whatever the product was, but they had to have it every few days or every week. It's like, I've got to have this. I don't feel right without this, burning this or whatever. So it, it had that same, in that form of fragrance, it had that same importance for them, for their own uh, feeling good and their own well-being. They, they had to have that product every time. They run out, they come back and get it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I was just going to ask you, what brought you to this whole world? How did you get into it? Um, just naturally, really. I mean, with my background in, um, uh, I sort of stumbled, well, really, when it came to home fragrance, I kind of stumbled into it because my background is some part, um, my father was Indian from Fiji, and rest in peace, dad, he's gone about 10 years now, and my mom is Dutch, so we had a very mixed culture in terms of growing up and cultural backgrounds, all that sort of thing. The Indian side of things is, there's a lot of incense involved in spirituality and in, in, in the prayers and stuff so that was always sort of around from the, the 90s onwards that I, you know that I actually started paying more attention to that sort of thing and then I started because I, I had a natural love for certain fragrances and then I just got into the industry in terms of first selling it at markets then a shop and then I got into the wholesale side working for someone and it just kind of went from there and then you just get, get educated about other products within the home fragrance market and yeah, sort of just naturally progressed really. Yeah, well it's nice that you have that culture. I've been having conversations with people that are like elsewhere in the world. Fragrance is a very mm. big part of people's identities, like you were saying the Indian culture. Yeah. When I first announced my site launch, I had somebody, a, a brand new perfumer guy. I don't know if he was a perfumer or just a perfume entrepreneur and he's like, I'm opening a store in Oman and can you give me some advice? I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just as new as you right now. You have 40 fragrances and I have two. He really had, he started with 40, 40 different scents. I said, you should yeah. sell online. You should do this. Maybe you can ship to me and I'll help you get it in the U.S. market. But it's so hard. It's so extraordinarily difficult to start this, especially oh, in the U.S. market. There's a billion different options out there. And like you say, it's usually... 99% of it's all marketed the same way. And when you try and do something outside the box, like you're doing, people just go, hang on, what's, what's this about, sort of thing. And then really trying to get people to open their minds up in the, from a different point of view, which is an awesome thing to do. And because for you, it was such such a critical thing. That's why I started chatting to you in the first place, reading your story about how it literally the importance of 
fragrance pulled you out of what you were going through and that's powerful stuff that just just shows you how powerful this this can be yeah and people have said it to me too people have actually said come up to me because i've shared my story openly and they've said the same thing cologne brought me out of depression perfume brought me out of depression i want to potentially interview these types of people to really get their stories there's my anecdotal story and there's other people having the same story I yeah. I'm also potentially seeking out funding ideally if I can study the sense uh, the effects of sense on depression and if aligned with a mindset could that change everything of course there are mm. external factors I need to do like a very big study we would be talking about thousands of participants in order to do it right and I've reached out globally on a global scale to professors and researchers to potentially help me validate this hypothesis and, okay. and everybody is like, oh, well, COVID is not letting us do anything. And <laughs> I'm getting a lot of pushback. So I'm applying, I'm probably, I'm, I'm thinking of applying for, to a grant at okay. the, at the National Institute of Health, which is, you know, one of the United States governmental entities. I'm not really sure about those folks. I know there's, there's quite a few departments and sub departments underneath there. I don't know, but there is yeah. there's there are grants there. I want to speak to somebody and kind of get some advice on it because it's more integrative, it's yeah. more alternative medicine. I think there is an alternative medicine play here. I really think that there yeah. is, and I don't know if it's attributed though to any specific sense, like you know, walking in a room and smelling some lavender and frankincense or whatever else you would be smelling mint or whatever it is. I think it's more about it could be completely new, can, nothing you've ever tried before, and could it still help if you align it with a specific perspective. That's where I come from. Yeah. Yeah. The particular fragrance that that helped you initially, did you have a history with that fragrance or was it just... So that's a great question. So I've had this conversation a couple times, but what's interesting is, so I went through my postpartum depression and started in 2009. I actually won that perfume in 2012 in a mommy blog contest. And I was probably still postpartum depressed because I was entering all these giveaways as my way to kill time. But I didn't really have the awareness of it. I put it on and I liked it and I put it in the corner in a cabinet and I revisited it maybe once or twice in the interim and then I put it on again when I was at my dark day in the summer of 2018. And this was like six years later. And whatever it was, it wasn't about that. I didn't have like that history. And it's interesting because a few months later, I was talking to these two people about my story and she was like maybe the idea is that it was tied to that whole amygdala and the fact that scent and that it might have triggered something based on an earlier memory and i'm thinking well first of all it doesn't smell like anything second of all the only times i've tried it are during the worst depressed times of my life maybe it was about mindset and then i realized it's probably true because after that after i really got excited about scent in general I went to the perfume stores here and I started trying on a bunch of perfumes literally from my wrist to my shoulder. I would put on like four or five as much as could fit. I didn't want to use the spraying the fragrance strips because I wanted them I wanted to smell myself. It was about me. And every single one I tried I liked and I got more excited Uh about it. So it actually made me more excited to experience scents in a different way and it had to be a variety of scents. But I think that this was an impetus. So with that being said, I have my two scents I'd love to get like, you know, 20, 30, 40, but I think you could do this alignment, put the perfume on and whatever else. You could probably do this alignment with different perfumes or yeah, you could establish this as your signature scent and just visit it 
try it throughout and hopefully there is still something there. I still think I can validate this hypothesis or I really like to think that I can. Mm. As long as you like mm. it in the beginning. You can't just hate it in the beginning. If you hate the scent, then you can't do it. <laughs> no, obviously not. It's not going <laughs> to make that positive change within. So That's actually an interesting thing. It's one of my LinkedIn posts. I just actually, I scheduled this one. There's a shampoo that they were selling at Costco. I think there are Costco's in, in Australia. And yeah, there is. this specific shampoo was actually not a good shampoo. I don't know how it got there. And I saw complaints online about it. That's how bad it was. I don't know what Costco buyer would have bought this because it smelled so bad. And okay. I bought it and I wasn't going to return it because I'm not that kind of person. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up trying it, trying it, trying it. And I would hold my nose <laughs> basically to put it on. <laughs> you know, it's COVID. I'm not going out. People are not smelling my hair. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> so anyway, maybe about a week ago, it hit me that I could tolerate it. It used to feel intolerable. And now I'm just like, I could tolerate it. So I think over time you could adjust to smells, even if you hate them. But that was probably five or six months. Uh, no, it was probably less, maybe three or four. But the bottom line is that's not something I would recommend to the average human being that you have to get used to something you don't like. So just wait yeah. for that one. Uh, I think it was interesting what you said that it wasn't really a fragrance that you had a history with, but still something that you liked, but it still had that powerful result for you. So that's interesting. Obviously, maybe chemistry-wise, something clicked somewhere. So. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I honestly don't know. One of the things I say is when you're depressed, you don't care what you look like. You definitely don't care what you smell like. And maybe I was just at such an emotionally low level that anything, you could have given me a chocolate chip cookie and I would have been an advocate for chocolate. I mean, I don't know about that. No, I don't think so. But I do think that in terms of that, it was something that did awaken me and it wasn't an overnight thing either. It was a slower process of just feeling reinvigorated to experience the five senses as a whole. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how did that perpetuate on to the other senses? Or was it more? It just, it like just made did... me appreciate things more. Okay. It's not like I have any type of like synthesis or whatever, where you can see colors and stuff like that. And all of a sudden listen to music. I would just say that, I think as humans, we have five senses, and if we don't think about, we take, if you ask any person, and I think you've probably read it, I'm sure you're familiar with the research, that if you ask any, I think the Pew Internet did a survey that uh, people would rather give up their sense of smell than anything else, but there was also another survey that said that teenagers are more willing to give up their sense of smell than to give up the Internet. (laughs) (laughs) Can <laughs> you don't realize that I was reading a Bill Bryson book. He's a fantastic author if you don't know who he is. And the book, it's called Body, A Guide for Occupants. And it's a great book. He talks about how taste is literally 80 to 90% smell. You don't realize exactly. how much, how well integrated that is. Yeah. Yeah. It loses your smell and yeah, all of a sudden food ain't going to be the same for you anymore either. Yeah, so I did lose my smell during COVID, and I did have that experience for a while. How was that for you? It wasn't the most ideal. I kept eating to think that maybe the next bite will taste good. (laughs) So I was facilitating a lot of restaurant deliveries to my neighborhood. I actually paid a lot of money for this brisket joint delivered to my neighborhood because we were all in quarantine at that time. 
And I was uh -huh. just, I was like, this food sucks. <laughs> okay, we didn't realize it was me. It was me. I've been there before and I've enjoyed it, but I'm like, what is this? Did it not travel well? And then I'm like, wait a minute. I think I have COVID. So that was March 13th, 2020. So March 15th, 2020, I went and I confirmed that I had a positive diagnosis. Wow. So, yeah, some crazy times. Uh, how long before you got riding again? Like, how, how far did it go in terms of symptoms or... So it's interesting because I used to document every perfume that I'd wear every single day and I stopped. It was probably at least a month that I stopped. As I mm -hmm. put it back, just speaking to the smell for a moment, I don't even know if I have it 100% back or I never really had the strongest nose to begin with because I feel okay. like I'm going through my the perfumes that I wore. I have a bunch of samples. I literally have hundreds of samples and I'm going through them again. And there's some that I'm discarding yeah. now and I'm not sure if it's because I just don't experience the scents the same way I used to. Or if the fact is that I just realized the second time around I don't like them. I will say yeah. that my children are pretty perceptive and my husband's pretty perceptive. They didn't get COVID and they're, right. they smell things that I don't. So I don't know what it is. It could be me. It could, it could very well be me. It probably is. So I'm not sure. In terms of smell, I would say I feel like I'm more like maybe 80% of the way there. But you don't really put that in, out there. Because regardless, I'm still appreciating the fact that I have it. And yeah, of course. Yeah. In terms of the other, I tested negative on April 1st of last year. So okay. I started donating plasma right away. But the smell thing came and went. There were times when I smell things and I'd smell it would be very profound. And there were other times where it just felt very subtle. I don't really have that on and off that much anymore. I did have a few more symptoms for a while. Thankfully, I'm not a long hauler in the way that some other people are still struggling to breathe and walk and and yeah, overcome. Yeah, but it's hard. It's yeah, hard. it's so crazy how it's uh, it reacts differently to within different people. And yeah, yeah. Now with so many different strains, like who knows now. So yeah, yeah. Did you have any experience in your neighborhood or anything like that? Oh, we've been super blessed in this country. Is like hardly happening really it's a few a few things here and there in certain areas but we're, we're a walk in the park compared to most other places in the world so we're pretty fortunate here yeah did you vaccinate did you have to what's uh, the vaccination they, schedule they've, right only, there? they've only just started rolling it out here so wow majority, it wasn't a priority majority yeah the majority population haven't had it yet so okay yeah. yeah so new york is a little bit accelerated on that front i, I actually did get my vaccine this year, April 1st, they rolled it out to 30 and up two or three days prior. So we rushed to get it done. And yeah. I felt like I had COVID for the first time, for real. It wasn't a good recovery. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've got a few friends in, uh, that are healthcare workers. And when they had it, they felt the same. They felt like a total crap for a few days and then they're okay. So. Yeah, it's very variable. Because I had COVID, the Johnson & Johnson shot was not a easy for me but my husband again he didn't have covid he doesn't have antibodies mm -hmm. he might have antibodies now but he didn't have any then he was totally fine and i'm sitting there with uh, i don't know what the fever is 38.9 i think i think is yep, that, wow. uh, yeah it was 102 fever and yeah. i actually converted that one that's how i know it by heart i converted that one in advance because <laughs> i was talking to my other friends in europe i couldn't move i couldn't get up and it was hard but Thankfully, I mean, not going back to the scent thing. I didn't lose it that time around. It was just feeling like I actually got the virus for the first time for real. Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah. It's really interesting how it works, and 
How's New York at the moment? Is it locked down or not really? No, no, we're opening up, which is crazy. Restaurants are at 75% right now. Curfews are being lifted because 46%, I would say, of New York has been vaccinated at least one dose, 23 of whom have both doses. I only was a one and done because of the Johnson and Johnson. We've been getting emails from the governor here for the last Mm -hmm. year. And it used to be like you'd see these numbers surging of those people who test were at 8% of people who tested positive. And now we're down to less than 2%. So okay. I think it's giving him the confidence to open things up. But that being said, that doesn't mean that people have to are out and about and doing things. I still realize I have to be super careful. So Yeah. It was interesting what you're saying about the, the sense of smell thing and how a lot of people probably disregard that one the most out of all of them. But there's another person I'm connected with on LinkedIn. She's got a perfume boutique in, uh, I think it's, she's in Manhattan or somewhere. And she's actually helping people regain their sense of... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I read that. I think she was in a newspaper recently. She's very expensive. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I saw some of the posts she did. A few people have really sort of, she's helped a few people get their sense of smell back. So that's kind of interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. That was really fascinating. They talk about how she sends them home with their own concoction. And I'm just like, huh. <laughs> you know, because I'm still new. So I'm just sighing. Yeah, she's over the moon with, in terms of those things happening. I, I have cool. to ask you, how did you, I know because I shared my story, but it's not like I'm, going overboard with hashtags. LinkedIn is a very hard place to share this stuff in general. And I guess Uh you're surrounding yourself with the fragrance people on LinkedIn, but how did you come across my story and all that stuff? Because I know we did meet there and we've been conversing there, but I forget the detail. Just popped up on the feed. Oh, wow. So the algorithm seems to be very, I guess I got to post more about, I don't know, because I post about mental health more than fragrance in general. But I guess posting about okay, it's it's interesting. It's interesting how they yeah, tailor yeah. it. Yeah, most of my connections on LinkedIn are well, I don't even know if it's majority, but a lot of them are uh, fragrance-related people. So yeah, I don't know. It just popped up one day and super interesting. So I started reading, reacting to you. You know how these start reacting to someone's stuff, and then every time there's something new comes, that's on your feed again. So. Yeah, and I'm grateful for that, I will say, because it's so hard to share this stuff, and just a thumbs up makes a world of difference. Oh, it does, because yeah. sometimes I see you know, what you put on, and like no one's... No one says doing, anything. It's because it's no so raw. Anything, no. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel for folks, and people are saying, some people message me like, are you okay, why are you sharing this on LinkedIn? I'm like, because humans use LinkedIn. Like, I don't know how to answer that, honestly, because they think about yeah. it as such a professional network that you shouldn't ever integrate your private life there. But nowadays, I feel like COVID has kind of forced that thrust us into that. We really need to kind yeah, of think about it. LinkedIn has changed its whole platform so much to being much more of a social uh, thing than just a business thing now. It's it's all integrated to twine now. Yeah, so. it, it certainly is, but that doesn't mean the expectation is really... It, the alignment in terms of what people want to use LinkedIn for. I just did a podcast with my friend Tris a few weeks ago, 
And he's like, why are you sharing this stuff on LinkedIn? And that was sort of the point of our conversation. He wanted me to explain that we're marrying the fact that it's not just about the professional self and the little sliver of yourself that you're going to communicate, but it's about really showing that we are people. And especially yeah. now when we're at home and we're on a Zoom call and your kid is in the background, and like mine right now, I can hear him, he's upstairs and he's, I, I don't know if you hear this, but he's like stomping on the floor, <laughs> like it's right above my head. This is the reality that we're dealing with. We should embrace it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. There's so much, so many interesting stories when it comes to fragrance, not just mental health, but just how things are produced. One thing, that's one thing. And just the nature of the whole, uh, from manufacturing, sorry, from the growers all the way through to the final product and the, the journey these, all this stuff takes. That's kind of why I'm linked, uh, connected to so many people within the industry from A to Z. So I just find the whole thing fascinating. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out where to go. I guess I would want to take a step into your home. What is your home fragrance right now? I like the kind of woody, spicy fragrances. They're my favorites. All those combinations with a lot of you know, the sandalwood, the agar wood and all that sort of thing. They're my favorite combinations. More than the florals. And stuff that's sort of musk and sandalwood sort of base, that's my favorite kind of combinations. Okay. I always smell that kind of thing coming out of my house. Yeah. So, do you put on perfume or, or cologne or do you, do you just limit to that um, Yeah. I do. I do. I'm, I'm not someone who goes out actively looking for that kind of stuff much. Um, it's usually a friend will recommend, say, have you tried this? And sometimes they'll give me half a bottle or something that because some of my friends have got like, you walk into their place and they've got like 200 bottles of perfume lying around or cologne. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's you know, me. That has unfortunately Sorry. become me. And if you ever said this to me three years ago that I'd be doing this, I would be like, you're out of your mind. <laughs> I think you were the one who recommended that I share some videos of yeah. my life. Yeah. And I have, yeah. I have a few. The thing that I'm embarrassed about is that they say don't put your perfumes in a bathroom because the humidity might not be good for your perfumes. Mine have seemed to last. Okay. I have them in drawers and I have them in my bathroom. So I've been embarrassed to actually post these stories, the LinkedIn videos of my experience because God forbid somebody in the fragrance industry is actually going to post about her bathroom collection. <laughs> oh, I think it matters to be honest. However, your media you choose is to get your story across, I think it's, yeah, I think video is a powerful tool. That's why most people use it. it yeah. Captures, captures the attention pretty quick. So. It's true. There's this purist out there that have, want fragrance to be a, this exclusive beauty products. But then again, that's not who I want to be. I'm trying to be a product about you wear it for yourself. You don't wear it for anybody else. Yeah. You don't need exactly. to attract external approval. You need to feel good for yourself. Yeah, and ultimately that's why you put, well, you would think that's why someone would wear something in the first place is because they love it themselves first. Maybe they have a motive to get attention from others with it that might be there as well, but ultimately you got to love it yourself, otherwise what the hell's the point? Right. So. It's annoying when you love something so much and then your significant other hates it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because the fragrances that I don't like, I give to my husband. Okay. Because there is the body chemistry change. He's really getting all my rejects, and he seems to be okay right. with them. Yeah. 
Yeah, the body chemistry thing is interesting. How the, even on yourself, how it can change over time. Definitely. A certain fragrance when you first put it on, and then after a little bit of time, it can change how it smells. I think that always happens. I think top notes, middle notes, and base notes are never... That's, hopefully, unless you're like a Juliet has a gun one-note fragrance show. What's interesting is Juliet, she's actually the brand that I'm having difficulty sniffing right now with the COVID reaction. Okay. I'm not sure if that's what it is, but when you put it on, it could smell amazing on you. It could smell like crap on the person right next to you or just the opposite. Yes. But I don't know if that's a limit, whatever it is, on how it's being concocted. There's layers to it. There's whatever evaporates in the first 15 minutes, and then within the first 15 minutes, two hours or so, or yeah. two to eight hours, it depends. And then that last two hours or so at the end. Yeah. So, yeah. What's the general, for people who have bought your one of your two fragrances, what's the general feedback you've been getting? Is there one that's a lot more popular than the other, or is it pretty even? Or Right now it's pretty even, but I get some interesting feedback. It's, it depends because the smoke and the vanilla is not an expected it's not what they're expecting. It's different. And the pear and the patchouli, people don't even know what patchouli is. <laughs> it's supposed to be stuff that you could never have had. It might have a memory to something, but it's not something you can potentially base on a past memory. So mm. I was actually surprised. My mother hates one of them. I won't say which one. She's like, uh -huh. this one is not for me. And then I've had other uh -huh. people who were like, I love this more than anything. And I'm just like, mom, my mom is very plain Jane. So I think that's part of the thing. Yeah. I grew up never eating anything really delicious because my mother gave me the same plain little bit of flavor, but everything was pretty bland. So my life was very bland. So it's sort of like why I also I'm appreciating things more in life, food and everything else since then. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. They were cool combinations though. No, when I saw um, the, the two combinations that you made, of, yeah, they're pretty they sound really cool together, if, regardless of even if you don't have any idea what the smell or the fragrance would be. But just the, the pear and patchouli and the smoke and vanilla, they actually sound really good together. So. Yeah, and I'm sure you would like them. Knowing that you have a nose for these things, I think you would love them. I wish I could ship them to Australia. I can't ship them anywhere outside of the continental United States and Canada. And yeah. it's super hard. I... Don't know what struggles, if you have any struggles with that, but FedEx, you have to like take the trading course and it's super expensive and I already am doing everything right, so why do I need to take the course? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fragrance can be, unless you're one of those big players that ship stuff internationally and, and whatnot, these big corporations, companies, but certain products, it's the same with home fragrance. There's some products in there that Got a lot of restrictions on international shipping as well. I don't understand why, but there are. Well, they think that you might blow up the plane or something because it has alcohol. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Yeah, that's right. And I think to myself, it's totally not that much alcohol. I think the requirement is if it's like five liters or something like that. I'm shipping out how many milliliters? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting how it works. It's been a fun conversation. I really enjoyed it. And I hope we conquered and tackled a lot of the fragrance conversation topics. If there's anything that you want to add or how people can find you or learn about you at Home Fragrance, please share here while we have that chance. Oh, no worries, no worries. Nothing, not really. I'm just always interested to have interesting conversations with people. 
that's that's the main thing I connecting with with you and, and others about it's just to chat and get each other's stories and, and just how we see things. It's it's always interesting to get other people's perspectives and stories and and related in relation to fragrance and uh, what it means to them in their lives and how it's affected their lives. I'm always intrigued by that sort of thing because it's it is such a personal thing, you know, the whole fragrance journey. So yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of it. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's like anything, really. It's an art form in, in its own. It really is. It's, it's so personable, just like, you know, any, any type of art form is. Some people are going to not actually get it or connect with it at all and not understand why someone else is so into something. But that doesn't matter because it's a very personal thing. But right. someone out there might connect with it in, on a certain level of how we talk about it and express about it. That's why we share all this stuff. So. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping that I can sell this concept more in the United States. If you have any thoughts on that, please, by all means, because yeah, like I said, culturally, it's just not a thing that the United States embraces on a regular level. To make that more yeah. of a mental health level, like even with mental health being such a rampant issue, it should be easy to do. But I am doing yeah. it on the shoestring budget. That's partially the string is even more afraid than it was before. So, yeah, yeah, I have to be creative. Most definitely. Yeah, I think there's ways. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about it. I'd be cool to have another conversation in a few months and see how things go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Dan. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time in your early morning hours. Cool. No problem at all. If you like the Common Sense Podcast, please go to ratethispodcast.com slash Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, and write your review. Thank you so much. Thank you all again for tuning in. This is your host, Tamar Weinberg of the Common Sense Podcast. Till next time.